Hello there and welcome to In Your Own Kin. I'm your host Charlotte. I'm a lover of great food, sometimes artist, sleep-in advocate, storyteller, mama and postpartum professional in Nam, Melbourne. Each week I'll be chatting to families about their journey into parenthood, the grandest of adventures. Parenting is beautiful, messy, sparkly, hard work. You were never meant to do this alone. It's time to get comfy in your own kin. In Your Own Kin acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land where you are listening to today's episode. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and recognise that the telling of stories has happened here since time immemorial. In Your Own Kin is recorded by the Birurung on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty of these lands has not and is not ceded and it remains stolen. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello there. Today is a big and beautiful day in our house as it's Rue's half birthday. It feels so incredibly wild to be celebrating 18 months of loving and learning one another Earthside and navigating our very own newborn family. We are going to be celebrating with a big chocolate cake. I'm sending a big old piece out to you too, because when it comes to parenthood, you have to celebrate all of the wins, big and small. In this week's episode, Emma shares her parenthood journey and reflects on life with her partner Ludi and their children Archer and Toa. Emma speaks with such warmth and generosity about parenthood in all of its beautiful, messy, wondrous glory. Emma speaks candidly about the identity shifts and relationship changes she experienced in becoming a parent. Emma and Ludi met when Emma was living in Samoa. Emma reflects on the opportunity for a slower life living in Samoa, as well as the challenges of life away from her broader kinship network. It was such a delight chatting with Emma. Keep an ear out for some very special appearances from Weetoa too. Here's Em. Oh, Emma, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's just so divine to have you here and to see your wonderful face. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you. Emma, would you like to let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, where you're living and who's in your family? Yeah, sure. I'm living in West End in Brisbane. This is where I grew up. I sort of have been in West End since I was a little one. I have my partners here with me. He's the father of our two children. One's six months old and one is six now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, and that's us. We've been in Brisbane. Well, I've lived in Brisbane on and off my whole life. And we were living in Samoa when I was pregnant with our first and then until he was about two. And then we moved back. So I guess about four years now we've sort of been home. Well, in my home, in a way. Talk to me about Samoa. Talk to me about when it was you and Ludes. Yeah, I moved over to Samoa in, I think, 2012 as an AS, sort of like in a volunteering program was there, ended up staying, doing that sort of volunteering for three years and met Ludes or met my partner, I guess, actually, I guess as soon as we moved there through a paddling team, through a sports team. I guess we got together about six months after that, just random New Year's Eve pashing (laughs) and then a few years drinking beers on the beach. That was pretty much it. The best of times. Yes. It was good times. At what point did you start having conversations or did you have conversations about beginning a family? We didn't talk about it very 
much. It was just, I think I was just like, let's have a baby. And it seemed like a good idea because everything was all great. Everything's great when you are just hanging out on the beach all day, every day. So that was my wild idea. I guess we would have only been together maybe a year or two. A little bit of a blur now. But yeah, we really didn't talk about it much. I was just like, let's have a baby. And my partner was like, yeah, one day. And then we were pretty much pregnant like the next week, which was kind of nice, but also a bit of a shock. Talk to me about finding that out. How did you find out? I mean, I knew that I was off the pill. I think my very next period was late. And so I checked and was, you know, not particularly surprised. It was it was kind of a shock how quick it happened. I think I, I realised in hindsight, I guess I have a lot of gay friends as well as older friends that were having babies. And I guess in my mind, how, like making a baby was like a really long process, you know, that took a lot of time and energy. <laughs> which we didn't find, which was maybe, I I guess I hadn't really thought how quickly it can really happen. And what was that like telling your partner? Oh, he was stoked. You know, he obviously wasn't really that surprised either. Yeah, it was exciting. I mean, life was so easy. I mean, it seems kind of, sounds kind of silly and naive, but yeah, life was so easy and and we were just in such a happy place that it was just exciting, really. Yeah. Little did we know. No. (laughs) (laughs) What was coming? (laughs) Talk to me about the decision to stay in Samoa. Yeah, I mean, it already felt kind of quite homely um, and we had a really strong, well, we sort of had what felt like quite a strong sort of network of friends, which was really good. Of course, all of Ludi's family is there and Ludi and I were living together. So it felt quite homely. I I think I initially thought that we'd probably come move home, you know, around school time. But we came home a lot sooner than that. After having Archie, I sort of realised how important those first years actually are in terms of development. And I really wanted him to go to a really great early learning centre. And I kind of realised it actually doesn't matter if he misses a year or two of school down the track. We can move back and he can do that. But it's these foundational years that are really important where he's, you know, just a big sponge. And this is where he's learning, you know, critical thinking and all those kind of foundational things. That kind of realisation, I think, was a big incentive for me to come home. Yeah. And how are you feeling in the pregnancy? How are you feeling physically? Yeah, my pregnancy, both of them were totally fine. I didn't have any troubles, no morning sickness with Archie. I wasn't too uncomfortable. I quite liked being pregnant. Even the second time around, I, was, I had more morning sickness with Frankie the second time around. I found it really interesting, you know, what the, all those changes in your body and seeing how like how your body can stretch like that. I found really interesting. It's so wild, isn't it? It just feels like such an everyday marvel pregnancy. So weird. It's such like the most standard normal thing, but mm-hmm. also the most magical, crazy thing. So yeah. weird. And how was that, sharing that with your community? It was lovely. I mean, like I said, our life in Samoa was very much like just drinking beers on the beach, which was great. And when I couldn't drink beers anymore, (laughs) I was like, oh, that all shifted um, a fair Mm. bit. I guess I wasn't connected to like a group of mums at that Mm. point when I was pregnant, but also was kind of starting to feel a bit less connected just because that all sent around going out drinking which I sort of wasn't doing at that time that said everyone was lovely and excited and it was very beautiful as well um but yeah that identity shift that happens right yeah totally it wasn't a big shift I think having babies is kind of like just an excuse for me to live my wholesome self I think (laughs) you know had my had my years of crazy 
But deep down, I'd love like early nights and drinking cups of tea. And I was pretty over that lifestyle anyway. So yeah. it was kind of like a nice in some ways. Yeah. At what point did you return back to Australia? I came back just to have Archie. Whenever sort of the last weeks you can fly is, I guess that's around 36 weeks or something like that. Um, And then I had Archie and stayed until eight weeks. And then we moved back to Samoa and sort of spent the next two years over there and then moved home for good just after he turned two. And what were those final weeks before the birthday like? They were lovely. They were so lovely. It was beautiful. I was home, I think, in time for Christmas. Anyway, I know that all my family was around, you know, and I'd miss them a lot being in Samoa. I'm very close with my mum and dad and my brothers. So I always have really fond memories of that time, just hanging out with all of them again, you know, not doing anything but in a really lovely way. That was beautiful. I have really nice memories of that time. Mm, such special time. Mm. Let's talk about the birthday. What was Arch's birthday like? It was very, um, like, fine in terms of the birth like no complications I remember he was 10 days overdue we'd actually been booked to be induced we went to the hospital at 5am in the morning they said come to hospital to be induced coming in at 5am which we'd done so we were actually in the hospital Ludi and I and my mum was there and Mm. then the hospital was just really busy and by about four o'clock in the afternoon I started having contractions on my own anyway and by about seven I was kind of very much in labour and so he came spontaneously in the end which was really nice I think it was kind of like you know eased into it it was a really chill day I actually remember really liking that day in hospital we were just watching movies and listening to music and hanging out and all those early contractions you know that they sort of they were hard, but I thought they were fine. Yeah, it was, it was really lovely. Again, I have nice memories of that. And then going down to the birthing suite and sort of being in the hot shower, having lots of gas, kind of laughing and having a great old time. All fun and games until then the midwife broke my waters. And then I was like, holy fuck, this is like another thing. Get me the fuck out of here. This is now terrible. Aww. Yeah, I really don't like giving birth after that experience. I was like, oh my, it was too much for me. Like, I remember just feeling really out of my body at one point, just like, okay, can't handle this anymore. I don't know if you've ever experienced that feeling of like actually just looking down on yourself, like you're not even in your body anymore. Yeah, but I mean, it all went quite smoothly. Like I pushed him out fine the midwives were all like thought it was totally fine which gives you confidence you know because it seems so intense and hectic I was screaming for an epidural but um it was too late by that point apparently like you know I need like screaming I need an epidural and I remember her looking really closely at my face and being like, this is the moment when everyone says that, you know, you can, you can get through this, you can do it, it's all right. And I was like, no, it's not all right. Get me out of right now. <laughs> and she was like, his head is almost out. It's way too late. Oh, um. So, yeah, I pushed him out. And I remember saying to Ludi on the way up, like afterwards, I remember saying to him, like, don't let me forget how messed up that was because everyone forgets. <laughs> and I know I'm about to let this like hit of oxytocin that's going to make me think that was really lovely. Anyway, I totally did forget it. Like five minutes later, you're like, oh, birth is beautiful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which is amazing. It's so cool that your brain does that. <sighs> Absolutely. I actually have like really nice emotional memories of giving birth. 
I don't view it as this traumatic thing, but when I think rationally about it, I can actually remember how horrific it was, if that makes sense. It's very interesting. I think the way that, yeah, the mind softens the edges of all of those memories is so wild. I almost wonder if it's, in a sense, not harder, but it'd be really different being the person watching, I think. You'd see this person really, you know, in a lot of pain, but then you wouldn't get those same like natural hormones that make you like forget about it all. Mm. I think it's a very interesting experience for the the non-birthing partner or people in the room. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about those first few moments meeting Arch. It's just so magical. You can't really... I don't know how you can put words to that. Such a crazy thing. Like you just feel, I don't know, you feel like your heart is like outside of you, sitting on your chest, this little squishy, amazing thing. And everything just went away straight away, you know, like every bit of pain, every bit of everything gone. It's so weird. It's just like total love at first sight, completely and utterly, you know, just so, so in love with this little alien looking creature. Yes. And what were those first few days like? How were you feeling in the days following the birth? It was really lovely. I remember um, I spent three days in hospital and I was like, you can't kick me out of here. So nice. (laughs) I love it here. Like people coming to visit me. That was really nice. I actually really liked being in hospital. I really appreciated sort of having, you know, all the midwives there and just that being able to ask questions to someone having that reassurance that someone was checking on us, even though we were both totally fine. Going to those early sort of breastfeeding classes and getting someone to show us how to bath him, that kind of stuff. I think as well, I really struggle to switch off. Like I'm always doing stuff, even when I'm at home. I find it really hard to just sit down and do nothing. I'm always like doing things, which is great, but not being at home made me not do that. I was just like forcibly laying in bed, hanging out with my little baby and having everyone come to visit us, which was really nice. Archie was the first grandbaby on my side. A couple of friends had had babies, but sort of up there with the first few babies in my sort of close friendship group. Mm. Let's talk about that. How were you leaning on your support network in those first few weeks when you were settling into family of three life? Yeah, it was lovely. My partner was here for maybe the first three weeks or something, not not a really long time. He went back, he was running his business back in Samoa. So and then I was just going to stay that little bit longer to get settled and just sort of get his first round of vaccinations done. Uh, and my mum was up from Melbourne, which was really lovely. So that was great. I mean, there's nothing like having your mum around, I think, in that time. Well, my mum anyway. I'm lucky enough to have a mum who, who knows me really well and is had me in mind, not just the baby, if that makes sense. You know, she's making sure I'm okay, making me cups of tea and, yeah, I guess had had me as the number one, not just the baby. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. It's so important. I think you need to feel held and nourished and nurtured at that time because you're doing such big work doing that for your little one. Absolutely. I remember some weeks and weeks later, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but that's okay. after being in Samoa for quite a bit of time, you know, I ended up sort of feeling quite lonely and disconnected. And I remember one of my mother-in-law's friends, I just sort of run into them at their place and she introduced me and this woman who I'd never met before just looked at me and didn't even really look at Archie and was just like, oh, how are you doing? And I just burst into tears. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you for asking me. 
Oh, <laughs> it just um, suddenly being seen was so nice and I needed that so much. Yeah, so powerful. Totally. Once Ludi went back, my little brother pretty much moved in and looked after me, which was really so special as well. And him and Archie still have a really tight relationship, which I think is a big part of that as well, that bonding that they did in those super early weeks. I guess a big part of me wanting to have a second, I can't really imagine life without my brothers. It seemed important for for Arch to have someone to go through life with. Mm. Talk to me about family of three life. Talk to me about life in Samoa. It was pretty chill in many ways. I was doing my PhD. So I started, I think I started my PhD like two weeks after he was born. It, that sounds crazy in hindsight, but it was actually really fine. Um, it was really, really good having something, you know, like I said, I'm always kind of doing doing something I, and I didn't find it particularly stressful. I found that really great to have something that I was really passionate about that was challenging me in a completely different way than having a baby was challenging me. Yeah, a part of yourself, right? Totally. So I was doing that. Ludi was working full time, but his role was super flexible. So he was home a lot sort of his office was pretty much at home, you know, and he was in and out all of the time. That was great. I think I think Archie really benefited from having both of us around so much and having not a stressful time, you know, like in terms of, you know, rushing out the door, organising work, getting to charge, you know, all of that sort of stuff. We were really lucky in those first two years. Life was very relaxed in, in that way. We also had a nanny for three days a week who just saved our lives. She was like most amazing, superhuman, beautiful, lovely woman. So that was absolutely gorgeous. She would, so she would come three days a week and I would do my PhD on those three days, but I would still be at home sort of breastfeeding and being around. But yeah, she was, she was beautiful. I, I remember after days, you know, when, when Leela was with us, the whole house would be like sparkling clean. Archie would be like rosy cheeked, all washed with his hair up and all like, you know, sitting on the couch giggling, just like this perfect household. And like after a day with me and Ludi, it'd be like, like a bomb went off. At least two of us were crying. Like it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> oh, Em. It was gorgeous. Yeah, so in many ways it was really nice. I connected with some other mums, which was good. I think we caught up once a week, you know, had a little playgroup kind of thing going on, um, which was really nice just to have, you know, other women who are going through, you're going through. Yeah. I was really, really deep down though. I just, I sort of needed to come home. I was kind of quite lonely and I guess I just, I felt like I needed, I, I think I really struggled with the the transientness like I've sort of yeah I've got friends here in Brisbane that have been my besties since we were maybe in grade one and we've stayed super tight my whole life and so I I, I struggled with that living in Samoa the kind of you know having to make friends again every year basically people would come for a year or two um, and they were beautiful people and I w- you would make some great, great connections and, and have a really lovely time. But that was really amplified for me having Archie. I, th- I think as well just the kind of emotional hacks of making new friends. You didn't really have that in me after I had a baby. So I found all that a bit more exhausting and Ludi and I were like driving each other mental as well. And that was, you know, 
it sounds so silly and naive, but it was just such a shock to how, I, you know, I, I guess, yeah, it sounds so silly to say it as simply as this, but we just hadn't, yeah, like we hadn't really talked about anything and we hadn't really considered the fact that our life was so, you know, I guess how easy it is to be in love with someone when life is easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was like a rude shock. I think that's yeah. such an important conversation to be having because we really don't talk about that relationship shift enough, I don't think. No. For the first time, I think the two of you aren't one another's priority. Suddenly you have this soul that is your everything. Absolutely. I know for me, I, I was just sort of giving everything to baby and I just didn't have any emotional energy left for our relationship at that point. How did you navigate that? Were you able to have conversations or was it about, I guess, recognizing what this season meant and taking some space for yourself? Yeah, we didn't do a really great job in talking about it. It, it was tricky, I guess, and I, I did feel that a little bit this time around too because I almost was too tired to talk about it, you know, like it was yeah. huge and detrimental but also I didn't have the emotional energy to, to really dive into it. I guess after about two years of that, Arch and I moved back to Australia. My, my partner was always kind of planning on coming, but it took him about two years to actually get here. So we did have a big break in the end. I mean, we never broke up and we stayed, you know, we spoke every day and all of that throughout that time. But yeah, I guess it just kind of reached a point where I sort of felt like I needed my people around me. Absolutely. And like I said, I really wanted Archie to kind of experience some really good early education stuff yeah. that I didn't feel I could really give him or that childcare in Samoa could give him. So that was also a big a big reason for us. How did that feel? What was that like when you got home? It was great. I mean, I, I was really at a point where I just felt like I needed to be home. You know, I, I felt, I don't know what the word is, bad. I didn't really feel bad or guilty, but I, I was kind of aware of the fact that Archie was not seeing his dad every day and they were obviously super close. Moody's a very connected dad and he was home sort of as much as I was. And, you know, so that was really challenging. But at the same time, it was a big relief for me. I kind of felt a, a lot more energy, a lot more connected, a lot more supported. And I think that was really important at that time. And such a huge decision, Em. Like, I think it takes so much courage to to recognise what is important to you and actually then make the leap to do it. Yeah, it is hard. It's, it's okay. I think we're all kind of juggle, you know, what's going to be best for everyone. You know, suddenly it's not just about you, but... But also, if you're not okay, then no one is. But you've got all these other considerations as well. So it is it is really tricky. Let's talk about Brisbane life. So Arch was in a beautiful childcare. You were with your village. Talk to me about that time. Yeah, it was really lovely. I was so I was sort of in my final year of my PhD by then. Arch was in daycare maybe two just two or three days. You know, I could just see how much he was benefiting from. And then he was also with my cousin a day a week, who is just so beautiful. She is like the most beautiful human alive, um, which was just so lovely. Again, like they're, they're now like super, super close. And it was really nice having someone whose family doing that kind of role for him was really amazing. And how are you feeling? Were you feeling as though that 
isolation haze lifted? I definitely did. I mean, Arch was still not sleeping amazingly. That was still a little bit of a struggle. You know, still crying into my coffee most mornings. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the morning. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah, I did. I definitely felt more connected. And I think just even just being around around people that were parenting in the same way that I was, yeah. which people yeah, really were, which just completely makes sense because this is where I grew up. I think it's really important when you find your people and you kind of see yourself mirrored back at you as well, right? Like it feels so validating to know that you're part of a bigger community. It's such a huge shift. Yeah, absolutely. And at what point did Ludes come over? It was about two years in the end. He did come and visit and we went to visit. So we definitely saw him during that time and spoke like pretty much every day, which I guess is about two years ago now. And what was that shift like, that renegotiation? Yeah, it was really tricky. You know, we hadn't lived together for two years and Archie was obviously in a totally different place, you know, so it took us some time to kind of, yeah, readjust, get to know each other in that way again, or like the three of us. But it was it was really positive. I mean, I guess as much as Ludi and I have maybe struggled as a couple, we have a really great family unit and we work really well as a family. And so that was really beautiful to to reconnect in that way. Let's talk about the decision to extend on the family. Well, Archie was really keen for a sibling and I was, you know, keen to have another baby. Yeah, it took me six years to even contemplate having another one. Archie was a pretty shitty sleeper for a good two years. So we had a bit of a rough patch those first few years. I remember Mm. being, you know, that crazy zombie fog. After we got through that, we spent a good few years just um, having a really nice time, getting a full night's sleep <laughs> and enjoying each other. So, yeah, it took me a while to be ready again. Having really good maternity leave at my job was certainly a bit of a factor. I didn't have any of that the first time around. And then COVID hit right when we found out that we were pregnant. That was really stressful. And I, we did, you know, we, we thought really hard about whether we actually wanted to have a baby at that time. Once we sort of got through and made the decision to have the baby, it was all fine. And things started to feel a lot better quite quickly. Talk to me about telling Arch that Toa was arriving. What was that conversation like? So excited. That was lovely. He actually just reminded me of that just the other day. We were having a chat and he was like, remember when you first told me? We were just all sitting together upstairs and he was just super excited. I remember the little look on his face of kind of disbelief sort of at first. And I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me how much he would want to, which again is silly in hindsight, but how much he'd want to tell everyone. So I wanted to tell him, but I wasn't really ready to tell the whole world. But, you know, he ran outside straight to the neighbor's house. My mom's having a baby. Oh, darling. Everyone still knew. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it was fine. Very cute. You know, Archie's such a loving kid and he's a really, he's a really social being as well. Like he would just be around other people and other kids his whole life if he could so he was just really excited to be having another baby he named the baby Frankie Paws when it was in (laughs) when it was (laughs) when I was still pregnant which came from a picture I'd shown him an ultrasound picture where he had his big old hands up in front of his face and Archie said they look like paws and then he just became and he's still Frankie Paws 
Oh. And yeah, he's just been a great big brother. I mean, they have that big age, you know, there's nearly six years between them, which is really nice because there's sort of, you know, none of that jealousy kind of stuff. Archie helps out a lot. Plus he can sort himself out, you know, he can brush his own teeth and he goes on play dates and all that kind of stuff. It's very different than having a toddler running around. So I found that really nice and it's lovely because I feel like I can you know, give Toa that same attention that Archie got, that same kind of one-on-one time. But then he's got a beautiful big grow as well. It's really nice. Yeah, it's lovely. And talk to me, what's Family of Four life like? How are you feeling six months into this whole new family? It's really lovely. I mean, Toa is like one of those weird dream babies. He does (laughs) sleep like quite, like all the time. You know, I put him down in his cot and he goes to bed, like, touch wood. He'll probably stop doing that after I brag about it. But <laughs> yeah. Don't listen. Don't listen. Cover those um, ears with those big paws. <laughs> I know. Um, but he's really chill. Again, we're super lucky. They're both, both our boys are, are healthy and happy and I'm so blessed to be able to have, you know, probably a year off without too much stress. So things are really chill. Again, we don't have to kind of, you know, rush off in the mornings. Like getting ready for school is nice and and relaxed and there's often two of us here, you know, to to make that happen, which, again, is so lucky. I really, I try to remind myself every day, you know, how lucky that sort of is. Oh, Bubba. Yeah, and, and especially as I'm sort of getting maybe towards the end of my leave, I'm really trying to make the most of just not doing too much and hanging out with the baby, watching as many seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race as I can. (laughs) Meeting those KPIs. (laughs) (laughs) And do you feel a difference in yourself? I guess you reflected on the challenges of feeling isolated in your first postpartum experience. Do you feel like that kinship network is holding you this time around and how has that played out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really close with my dad and his wife and my younger brother are all here and they're they're amazing. So, you know, Archie sleeps over at my dad's all the time and my brothers will always come on holidays with us and they're absolutely amazing. Same as my big brother, but he's not here all the time. My best friend here had a baby about a year ago, so that's been amazing. I really love watching my friends become parents. I just find it so beautiful, like especially people that you've known for such a long time, watching them go on that journey is so lovely. I've really enjoyed being home for that. Absolutely. Arch and Toa are Samoan. How do you bring culture into their into their day-to-day lives being in Australia? Um, it, is, I, it is really tricky. Archie is blessed enough to have those first couple of years, so he feels, you know, he feels Samoan. He feels very connected to it. He talks about it all the time, really misses his family and our, our house and our life over there. And he really, you know, was able to develop that identity, you know, in his first few years, which was really great. You know, and we've just, we just nurture that in really sort of small ways, but meaningful ways, just talking a lot about, you know, about being Samoan and, and sharing his grandma as an author and so sharing her book and her work a lot. And, you know, of course, still talking to Lily's family as much as possible. Neither of them speak Samoan, which I feel like they are going to 
hate us for when they grow up. I feel like it's such a a bit of a missed opportunity to learn another language when you're a baby. But yeah, I don't know how it's going to be for Toa. He's got the real Samoan name. I mean, who knows what will happen, but he won't live there in his first few years at least. So um, that is something that we we have been thinking about, you know, how we're going to, you know, make sure that he feels Samoan as well. Yeah. Oh, it's such an exciting time for your family, Em. It's so beautiful watching the four of you grow and get to know one another. It's such a delight. It is. It's really nice. I'm thinking like, and six months just went by and I just have been staring at a baby. Like, how am I not? (laughs) But it's amazing. It's like the best. Yes. They're like fireplaces, right? Like when you're camping, you just stare at a fire all night. That's babies. Totally. I'm trying to remind myself too, like how like how much I need to go out and do stuff. I think I get so obsessed by sleep, probably after having, you know, being so tired with Archie. I'm yeah. really like, that's the most important thing. Like I have to get enough sleep. But I'm kind of trying to remind myself that actually going out and being with my people without solar is actually also really energizing you know and if that does mean I have a bit of a late night out that's actually energizing for me in a really different way absolutely finding those ways to recharge and kind of replenish your soul and be yourself like actually be just Emma again as opposed to like Emma the mum and you can't separate those identities out but you do need to find the ways to just like be you totally yeah and I can see how like if we don't do that like I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like when we get to I mean not the end of the parenting journey because we'll always be parents but like if you don't do that and if we do just do this parenthood in this like martyrdom model it must be absolutely soul crushing when your children move out you're not even yourself anymore totally so true that just is like this seems like a weird thing but that just reminded me of this insight that I watched about young athletes and they were talking bunch of young people who like didn't quite make it like they got to like the commonwealth games or the pan ams or something but didn't then they didn't get big enough to be like this is my life you know but they'd been like training for their sport since they were like five now they were like 25 and they were just crushed they were like i don't have any friends i don't have any interests i don't have any skills (laughs) they were just like i don't have anything because my whole life has been like whatever it was swimming or like whatever yes and now that's gone and I'm like totally screwed and I'm like young and don't know who it's so important to find the time and space to be yourself right totally yeah Emma, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's been such a pleasure to sit with you and listen to We Toa's little squeaks. It feels like such a privilege. Thank you. Oh, no worries. It's lovely to chat with you. It is such a joy to share these stories with you each week. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with someone in your very own kin. You can see all of the gorgeous images of the families that join me each week and get the latest news from Kin on Instagram at Kin by Charlotte. I can't wait to chat with you next week. Mm-hmm.